Hello, Michelle Laurie here, and as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane, and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio, or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian True Crime Live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. I could hear the, um, I could hear the police officers talk to my to my parents and they basically just said that um, um, that they've come just to let us know that um, unfortunately there's been a, a break-in at my grandparents' house. Sorry, just give me a minute. 
and um, they just they just they regretted to inform us that my grandmother had passed away on the scene, and that my grandfather was in hospital, and he'd been severely beaten. November 6, 1999, Canberra grandmother Irma Palasics lay on the floor of her home, dying, her face gaffer taped, drowning in her own blood from a broken nose, as her killers ransacked the home, looking for money and valuables. Her husband Gregor was seriously assaulted and unconscious, and when he came to, he made the call to emergency services to report his wife's murder. Irma's grandson John Makita feels that the case is tantalisingly close to being solved, even after 22 years. But frustratingly, despite a few breakthroughs on the case and a $500,000 reward, no one has been arrested. Police believe that members of the Hungarian community in Australia can provide some vital clues to the identity of the people who killed Irma. This was a brutal crime, and as we've seen with some cold cases in recent years, it can take just one call or the smallest piece of information that can bring family some answers. This case can be solved. A listener note. We make reference to a 60 Minutes interview the family did in 2014. This report showed never-before-seen police video of the state of the house after the perpetrators ransacked it and the extent of the injuries to Gregor. We'll share links to this in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining me for Australian True Crime. We're going to talk about the murder of your grandmother, the brutal murder of your grandmother in 1999. It's still unsolved. That's right. Um, even after 22 years, we have been waiting for answers for people to come forward from the community um, to just give us that vital little piece of the puzzle that police need to be able to solve my grandmother's murder. Um, and it's not just my grandmother's murder. I say it's also my grandfather's murder because um, whilst he lives... Um, through the ordeal that night, and he survived for four years. Essentially, he wanted to die that night. He's, he, he basically physically died. Just meant, I mean, sorry, he mentally died, but, you know, he physically um, survived to live on and, and relive that night many, many times over. Well, the, the brutal assault and well, murder of your grandmother, Irma, and Gregor, your grandfather, happened in 1999 in their Canberra home. Can you tell us about... First of all, your grandparents and, and what their lives were like. Yeah, sure. Like my grandparents were the typical um, immigrants of the time. Uh, they uh, they lived in, in Hungary and my grandmother used to clean for the Russian soldiers who were already in Hungary at the time after World War II. And uh, while she was cleaning, she was told... Um, or she overheard the Russians talking about how they're about to close the border the very next day um, because the revolution in, in Hungary has already started and the uprising people were getting very upset. Uh, so they literally, when my grandfather got home, uh, my grandparents grabbed my my mum and my auntie and they headed straight for the border and literally with the clothes on the back, on their back um, and the small amount of things that they could carry, uh, they left everything behind uh, they headed to the border, they crossed the border, and the very next morning the border was closed 
uh, in Hungary. And if I can recollect correctly from, from what my parents have told me, they, um, they spent quite some time um, in Austria and then they traveled around to a couple other places in Europe. Uh, they were given the opportunity, go to Australia or go to America. And uh, fortunate enough, they chose to come to Australia. I don't know what it would have been like for us to grow up or, or you know, to, be, to live in America, but I prefer to live here. Um, so they came across on a ship, um, which took you know, a month or two. So that would have been an ordeal in itself. They came to a country not speaking the language. They didn't speak English. So they had to learn very quickly. Uh, they went to a couple of camps. Uh, they ended up at um, living in, I think, I can't remember if it was Bonagilla or, or one of the, the camps. Um, and they decided that they would move to Canberra to be a good opportunity. They actually lived in Queanbeyan first for a little while. And um, then um, they bought some land in Red Hill, which is a nice suburb of Canberra. Um, and they they built the house with their bare hands. Um, so the, the typical sort of like European way of doing things was, you know, you would build the downstairs area and after building the downstairs, once you've got enough money, you would build the top floor of the home. And so my my mum and, um, and my auntie and my grandparents lived in the essentially like a, a, a flat underneath the home for whilst it was being built and... Then when the house was built, they moved upstairs. They worked really hard. They were, you know, they were given many opportunities to do some great stuff. Uh, they, my grandfather um, was a carpenter back in Hungary, and so um, he started to do work um, in, in Canberra. Um, he built up a successful carpentry business, which my dad then later went into the carpentry business and worked. That so was more like a family business, and my brother ended up working there too, and that was in Fishwick. And... After after many many years of, of working really hard, they they lived a very comfortable lifestyle. They certainly weren't you know particularly rich um, by any means, but they were very generous people. So um, everybody always saw them like having money because they would always never feel bad about giving people money who asked for it or needed it. Um, so they like to help people and until we got to the the first uh, home invasion that, um, um, or not home invasion, sorry, it's not a home invasion, um, the first time that they got robbed um, in their Red Hill home. Um, and sort of like, you know, over the years, like my grandparents were the most loveliest people. They were very well respected in the community, especially in the Hungarian community. They, um, they liked um, to spend money in the poker machines and my grandpa liked to drink a lot of beer. And, you know, it's a lot of fond memories that I've got. Um, and certainly my, my brother and, and the other family members, uh, I, I would spend a lot of time for example, with my grandma, when whenever I was sick or or um, on school holidays, uh, she became the sort of like the go-to parent um, because both my parents worked full time. So we we spent my brother and I spent a phenomenal amount of time with my grandparents. And one of the fond memories that I always remember of my grandma, especially because grandpa would always be off to work, uh, would be um, you know her friends would call her and she would be on the phone like it. By the time I got got there in the morning, she'd be on the phone for ages talking to her friends, and then. We always had this expectation that each day we would go down to the local shops and grandma would buy us a donut and something. So we were always eager to get out get out of the house. But we always had to be home by midday because days of our lives. So <laughs> that was oh, grandma. Yeah. So, you know, grandma made sure and nobody was allowed to call her at that time because that was the time for days of our lives. And uh, there was another, what was the other show? 
there was Bold and the Beautiful. Yes, yeah, that's right. So, and we weren't allowed to talk. So she would, she would, you know, get our sandwiches for lunch, and we were allowed to sit there, and then we would go and keep ourselves occupied. And the reason why I mentioned the house before and and the way it was built is because underneath their house in Red Hill, um, there was this intricate. Um, maze of of rooms that were in the dirt. So they used to store everything for the family there. So between my my parents and my auntie, we and and also from the workshop where where they had the business, anything that they needed to store was under this house. So it was it was a ca- a series of caverns like you would imagine in a movie, and it was just full of so many treasures. Like we would just spend so long underneath the house playing with things, and Grandpa had his workbench downstairs, and you know we would build things, and they, and and also the house in Red Hill Hill had this tremendous backyard. They my grandparents loved gardening. They loved uh, growing uh, fresh vegetables uh, because, you know, where they've come from in the past, uh, they weren't like us these days. They didn't pop down to Woolworths or Coles and and buy fruit and vegetables. Um, They liked to be able to to grow their own, the taste of growing their own. My grandma used to cook so much and so having the ability of just going out there and grabbing whatever she needed to cook um, was always a good thing. So, yeah, that was my grandparents and, you know, a lot of fond memories they were always there for us and yeah, it sort of got to the stage of, you know, it, it, it made it really hard when, when my grandma did die because of the fact that having such a close relationship with her and it ending so abruptly, there was no time to say goodbye. There was, we didn't see her. My mum and my auntie, I think, I think I'm not sure I can remember, it's like being 22 years ago, um, but I definitely know my mum had to go and identify the body a few days later but you know it's it's a really hard thing to go through when you have such a, a good relationship with somebody and then suddenly they're just not there anymore john they're really beautiful memories of your grandparents and you know i've got really precious memories of my grandparents and it would be absolutely horrifying to me if one of them or both of them were treated in the way yours were now you mentioned that there was before the incident where irma was murdered there was a previous home invasion. Can you tell us about that and when that happened? Yeah, so I can't remember the dates off the top of my head, um, but yeah, uh, a couple of years before they had moved to their McKellar house, uh, they had been broken into when they they were down at the Hungarian club. Uh, they um, they came home and somebody had uh, been in the house, um, underneath the house, because they didn't have access to the, to the um, upstairs floor um, and they had stolen... A number of things, quite a bit of money, and uh, they startled the people we, we expect, and and um, and they they left. And then there was actually a second incident at the house a little while later, uh, where my uh, grandparents were upstairs, and this was um, later in the evening. And my grandma always used to have uh, not orange. What's the other grapefruit? She always used to have grapefruit all the time. And so she actually went downstairs and she would get some stuff before they went to sleep and, that, and you know, make herself a juice or whatever. And she actually, she, she came across um, some offenders in the downstairs part of the house. And the offenders, uh, she wrestled with them um, to the ground. She managed to pull off the balaclava of, um, of one of the offenders and, and they got away. Uh, they didn't take as much that time, but but we, from what we understand, the telephone line had been cut to the house, which meant that if they weren't startled at the time when they were, because my grandma got quite upset and screamed, 
that it's very possible that they may have had an intent to come upstairs at that time and, um, and, and enter the house and who knows what would have happened at that stage. After that had happened, my parents and my grandparents um, decided that, that living in Red Hill probably wasn't the best thing for them anymore. It was a very large house that they had. And as I said already, big backyard. Uh, it, what it, what, one of the disadvantages it had is that it actually had a, uh, a laneway down the side of the, the house. And so there was access for people to, to easily get into the yard. And Red Hill is an older part of Canberra. And like most parts of Canberra in the old days, they actually didn't have fences um, on the sides of the house. So they had this really low, uh, sort of like just just a, a metal fence, which was just, just there for the sake of it. Um, and you could easily jump over the top of it. Like I remember when my, my brother and I used to go and down to the park, which wasn't far from, from my grandparents' house, you just jump over the fence. We wouldn't go around um, the front of the house and out. So uh, they felt insecure. Uh, they didn't feel as though that, you know, living there anymore because it was the second time uh, that it would be, that it was the right place for them. And so they decided to buy a house from another Hungarian family in a suburb of Mikella, which was quite a distance away. It was a very big step down because uh, Red Hill was, you know, that's the place that they lived for their whole lives. And they moved to a suburb, which was like, it was just a very small house. It, it wasn't anything fantastic. But, but essentially what they did is uh, feeling scared. They built the house in McKellar to be like Fort Knox. They put up high fences. They put security fittings on the windows and doors and, you know, bars and those sorts of things. And um, in the hope that this was going to be, you know, make them feel more secure. Um, and, you know, I think it did make them feel a bit more secure um, as much as it possibly could. But unfortunately, it wasn't secure enough for those people that chose to break into their house that night um, 20 years ago. And, and, you know, and what happened to my grandparents from that. In that, that second crime, the where people came into the house, your grandmother actually did some media for the police didn't she but she was not identified so there was a bit of publicity about that and I I read that they were able police were able to get some DNA or some evidence from the balaclava that your grandmother uh, ripped off so did anything come of that second incident not overly uh, the DNA definitely is is definitely being held by ACT policing and um, they've used that obviously to try and do a match wherever possible it's it's hard because the only people that that police, as you would expect, would have any DNA of these days is of people who have done an offence. Um, people who the people that were actually involved in my grandparents' um, home invasion, you know, this may have scared them so far so much that they had may 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 never have offended ever again. And you know, back in those days, DNA was not like what it was now. Sure enough, if if what had happened on that night happened now, it would be a completely different ballgame. Police are so much more well-equipped these days to be able to catch people very quickly because, you know, they, they know what to look for. Back there, they weren't, you know, it was just traditional policing, I expect, that took place. And the fact that we got some DNA was amazing in itself. Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing for, you know, as I said, the, the actual night when, when my grandma um, did get murdered is 
that still technology was no different then when it came to DNA. And so, yeah, like the traditional things of shoe prints and all those sorts of things, that's what they they have to go on, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And the DNA, I, I expect, would have been used in some way during when we go forward a bit to the pitch and putt yeah, occasion. We'll, so we'll, yeah. talk, we'll talk about that because there have been some recent developments that are interesting. Going back to that night in 1999, can you talk to us about what you know and what's been made public? So as, as far as we understand, uh, the incident occurred sometime around 9 o'clock. So it, it could have been anywhere from 8 till, till 10, but, you know, the 9 o'clock-ish sort of time. There was a party in the street at the time, so there was a lot of people coming and going. There was a lot of noise. Um, certainly, you know, the neighbours around them, they were quite talkative, you know, everybody knew each other, so nobody knew, noticed anything unusual at, at what had happened that night. The The first instance that we got um, as a family of knowing what had happened was early in the morning, um, and I can't remember the exact time where it was, but it was something like, you know, it would have been one or two o'clock in the morning or maybe later. It could have been three. It, the whole thing is just a blur as to what happens on that night. Um, I was living with my parents at the time because I had come back from Sydney. I was working in Sydney and just getting my feet back in Canberra. And the dogs at my parents' house started barking, which was really unusual. And um, and I was still in my bedroom, which wasn't far from the living room of the house. And I just remember that I could hear my... Um, my parents at the front door of the house, and I can't remember if it was my mum or my dad, but I do recall hearing very vaguely the fact that, that they, the people that had come to the door and knocked on the door um, had announced themselves as police officers. Um, at the time, I, I actually thought um, they had come because of my brother. My brother um, uh, used to go out drinking and, you know, do a lot of things and that's the stuff, like all young people. Um, And, you know, I just expected that, you know, my brother has done something stupid and they've come to talk to my my parents about that. Um, But unfortunately, that wasn't the the situation that unfolded. Uh, I remember laying in my bed and uh, I could hear the, I could hear the police officers uh, talk to my to my parents, and they basically just said that um, um, that they've come just to let us know that um, unfortunately there's been a, a break-in at my grandparents' house. Sorry, just give me a minute. And um, they just they just they regretted to inform us that my grandmother had passed away on the scene. And my grandfather was in hospital and he'd been severely beaten. Um, Disbelief, I suppose, is just what goes through your head. It's just something that you just, you can't comprehend at the time. I mean, in in hindsight, I, I always think about that night, and as you can see, as you can hear, um, I get emotional about it, and I think everybody in the family gets emotional about it. Um, it's the sort of thing that you expect to happen on TV or to somebody else. You hear it on the news that you know things happen, but you never expect that you're the one that this happens to. I just never would have presumed that after the few break-ins that they had in Red Hill, that after they had built their house like Fort Knox 
that you know anybody would be able to get in and let this happen. Um, and uh, we, we we had the most amazing support from the police. Um, if I can tell anybody that I wish that nobody has to ever go through what we have been through. Unfortunately, there are you know five or six families in the ACT in Canberra that um, there are un, there are unsolved murders, uh, cold cases that have gone through what we have gone through, and many others who have been solved fortunately. Um, the police were just amazing. Um, the the um, we were so lucky to have a um, uh, a police officer who was a, who was um, basically um, allocated to families who are going through what they're going through, um, and she. Um, she became part of our family in many ways, and and she helped us through. Um, you know those those first few days, um, and and you know all the fleets were just so accommodating. They did everything they possibly could for us to make us as comfortable as possible. Um, in in the morning, um, the first the, I can't remember if it's. Either we went to visit my, visit my grandpa at first. I think we went to visit grandpa later. But um, the very first thing that we had to do was we um, we had to go to the police station and give statements um, because in most cases like this, um, in family issues, um, and, and you can expect this, that, that they think that the family are possibly closely related to actually what's happened. You know, somebody in the family is always being suspect. Um, so... To rule that out, um, we all got interviewed at the the police station um, for a couple of hours, um, and and basically we had to divulge every single person that you would have known in your in your life, um, and tell them if you know you had any idea as to who could have possibly done that. Um, so as I said, it's a bit it's a bit hazy off the um, out of my head at the moment whether or not we went to the police station first, but then we went to visit my grandfather at hospital. Um, and which which also shocked me because um, he was under police guard because because <laughs> they weren't sure that the people that had had gone to my grandparents' house wouldn't come back and get him because they'd left him behind and you know as to what what he had seen and and you know what I can tell you that. In the 60 minutes interview was the first time that we as a family had actually ever seen what the house looked like or what my grandfather looked like with the place photos. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was destroyed the house. There was stuff it, everywhere. It was. This this wasn't done by people who were just going there to grab something or, you know, to, to find a few pieces of valuables. This was done by people, if I if you call them people by low lives, by by thugs who went there for a reason and they weren't going to leave until they got what they got. And you know, pulling every drawer out of every place, pulling the doors off things, um, the clothes everywhere. It was just, they were looking, they were on a mission to find stuff. And, you know, um, to do what they did, to tie my grandfather up with the phone cord. Like, you know, they took all the steps. They took all these steps to ensure that you know, no matter what happened, my grandparents couldn't call for help. And um, I like to think that my grandmother, she was, she was a fighter. After what she had endured in coming from Hungary, from the revolution, in, you know, building her lives, the lives of, of her family again in Canberra, in Australia, in a foreign country, with no help from anybody else. She could never rely upon anybody else. So she was a strong woman. And I like to hope that she fought as much as she possibly could. And, you know, um, but again, we will never know. Like, I really don't know until we actually find people who did this exactly you know, how, what, what went on at that time. Mm. Now, it's more than 20 years um, since the murder and, and your grandfather died a few years after the incident and, as you said, you know, he was really murdered that night mentally. Mm. Um, when did there start to be some breakthroughs in the case because there's a couple of significant things that have happened in recent years where you know there is real hope that something could happen to solve this case can you tell me about you mentioned the pitch and putt incident because police did some pretty good dna work in finding a familial match so the the, the pitch and putt break-in was um there were some kids there uh, offenders and they um, had left some blood on the scene and uh, the blood on the scene actually had when matched when entered into the database had rung a bell with grandmother's case um, with grandma's case and 
um, with the with the DNA that had been left behind at the crime scene um, on on in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, and so we went through this whole thing, like, you know, police wanted to find out who, who the offenders were. Um, and we got, um, quite a lot of coverage. The unfortunate thing is, is that, you know, as much as we had hoped that this would lead to, because it was familial DNA. So it wasn't, it wasn't a direct match, but familial DNA, um, allows it to be where it could be somebody close related. So, you know, it could be the son or, or something of, um, or daughter of, of somebody who was a cousin or whatever. Um, and policing actually funny, um, ACT police came up and, and found the people came forward, um, who were at the scene. And from what we understand, um, unfortunately the, the investigation that took place to, uh, to match who they were and, and find out, you know, who family members and stuff, it just ended up not going anywhere. Um, and I'm not sure if it was, um, it could have been, I think that they at least, they, they exhausted all the possible leads and opportunities of people who they, they thought it could have been, um, and nothing came out of it. Um, so they and- think that that bit of blood that was found at the pitching part and that had some sort of link with DNA left in 1999 when Irma was murdered. So do they not think now that um, those youth at the pitch and putt can be connected? Like, I don't understand why it went nowhere. Yeah, um, it's a bit hard because... <laughs> you can, you can I, only I, say so much. Yeah, oh, you can only say much. But at the same time, um, I think please, um, uh, when you when you actually get as close to police as our family has over 22 years, um, it comes down to understanding that if you don't ask a question, they won't answer. They don't, they're not forthcoming with giving information away just for the sake of it. And plus also they need to protect the integrity of the case. So they're not going to give us details about things that they don't want us to, to talk openly about, you know, to podcasts or to, to family friends or, you know, when yeah. my dad goes down to the club and has a few drinks and he just spills his beans because my dad can't keep a secret. Um, and my mum keeps on telling him to shut up. But, um, uh, yeah, so from, from what we understand, yeah, there's just, it's, it's either been, it's gone to, got exhausted to, to the extent of where it's just been chilled for now until they can find out more information um, or they literally ticked and ruled out everybody who was associated. So familial DNA is not always perfect, but, you know, it was the closest we had come um, in so many years to actually finding somebody who we thought may have been related. And, you know, as a family, all the things that went through our head, oh, my gosh, you know, are, are we actually here? Have we have we finally found somebody um, that was involved and um, or closely involved? You know, it may have been that, that person may not actually know because the thing is, is that, irrespective of us, of you knowing that, you know, um, people can't keep secrets. Um, when, when, when you offend this badly and somebody dies, you may not even tell a family member. So, you know, if this was the son of somebody who actually did it, because when you look at the demographic, the, the demographic, the, the ages and those sorts of things as to who, how old that person would have been when they were actually offended the first and the second and the third time, if it was the same person, um, it's sort of like matched. With, with what we had thought with the Philip Pigeon part. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, it just ended up literally uh, nowhere. Just yeah. a lot of, you know, raised hopes and a lot yeah. of heartbreak isn't there. Um, you mentioned, um, so 
the Hungarian community, I imagine, is very tight community in Canberra, but also, you know, around Australia. I know um, near where I live in Melbourne, there's a mm. big Hungarian club, um, huge. Now, your, your grandparents weren't rich, but they worked hard and they had money. Yep. Now, why do police and the family believe they were targeted those three times, whether those three times are linked or not, but they were targeted for for valuables? What What... Do you understand about that? Well, I, th I think the first thing is, is the first break-in at their home at Red Hill, the offenders took a lot, a lot of money, ridiculous amount of money. And when you think back 22 years, you know, whether or not they took $100,000 or they took more or whatever in cash, um, there is this expectation that there'll be more. You know, that that's probably not at all. The, again, going back to what I said about my grandparents coming from, from with nothing on their backs, they didn't trust banks because, you know, can you imagine living in Hungary in the revolution and having all your money in a bank, then leaving the country and you can't take anything with you? So the easiest way, the best way for you to feel comfortable in knowing that you have access to your money is by hoarding cash, which is what they did. And, and also, you know, 22 years ago, unlike now where the tax office wants to, you know, they can through, through anything cyber, they can track every, every transaction these days. They know then, everything. Yeah, they know everything. Everything's linked, you know, through my and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but back then it was a cash economy, you know, so my grandparents would get paid when they built a kitchen and, Let's hope that they don't get tax audited now, but they can't go back because they've passed away. So that we should be fine talking about it. Uh, but you know, so they would they would just keep the cash, and it it made them feel secure in knowing that you know if because you know they they're in a country and you know whilst living in the country for for so long for fifty years, still doesn't guarantee you that after it's happened to you once that you're never going to feel secure in doing it again. So they took the valuables. They took other valuables too. Um, as I said to you, this this particular part of their home in Red Hill where the money was and the valuables were, okay, apart from obviously all the baby things and, you know, the, the toys and, um, you know, storing food and lots of the stuff that was under there. I mean, it was, you'd open up one container and there'd be something in that and then, you know, you can open up in, and they used to stash money all over the place. Uh, and, and many times, you know, they, I always remember my mum joking that the fact that, you know, we could never, grandma could never find anything like if she was looking for something particular because she may have put it underneath that, that tea towel or it's, it's in that, that cupboard or, you know, around the house and she's been looking for where she left her valuables. Um, and that's why. And, and I think that's the reason why, you know, these offenders did come back because they, they probably suspected that they may have only done one or two rooms underneath the house because there were several. It was basically very similar layout to what was above the house. So there was, there was opportunity um, to find more. So it's believed that at least two of these um, crimes were linked with the same mm -hmm. offenders? Yes, yes. Yep. And, and I think to, to an extent um, that it's very most, uh, more than likely that the third offence, um, the fatal offence, um, was also linked, the people who, who were at the, the other two mm. um, in some way, if not exactly the same people. Now, this leads me to my next question because last year there was another, you know, bit of a breakthrough where 
police spoke about they'd had a phone call um, and they believe that there's someone in the Hungarian community in Melbourne who might hold the key to who the offenders are. But do you think there's any link to the, like your grandparents going to the Hungarian club? And as you said, they were very generous. And in the 60 minute story, they spoke about they'd pay for people's drinks and their food. And they were just wonderful, gregarious, very giving people. Now, what do you understand about the links with the Hungarian community or how people may have known that your grandparents had money in the house? I think it comes back to also the, the things like I've said about, you know, they, they saw how my grandparents, they, they knew how they ran the business and all those sorts of things. So that they just knew that. And my grandma always had valuables, you know, she was always very nice, nice jewelry. Um, and one of the things that, you know, that you had said to about the Hungarian club where they'd pay for people's drinks and stuff. They would buy jewellery and things from people there too. Um, my, my grandma in some ways was a bit like, you know, um, like um, was it a bowbird or whatever? She was just be like, oh, she likes it shiny. You know, she likes this stuff. She only had quality things. Like, you know, she, she knew the value of quality. Um, and, you know, she had tons of pearl necklaces and jewellery and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you could see. You could see. Mind you, she, she drove around in an old car. My grandpa drove around in an old car. They had a beautiful house in Red Hill. Like, you know, today in the way that the whole housing boom, um, you know, their house would be worth millions and millions of dollars um, if they still had it in Red Hill. Um, but, you know, my grandpa driving around in his old, he used to have a Vanguard and he had it for so many years, um, like this tank that he would just drive around in. And, uh, and my grandma drove around in a Sigma, um, and it wasn't until the latter years, not not long before, you know, they they passed away, um, or the, the home invasion stuff, where they actually bought new cars, modern cars with air conditioning. Um, I still remember my grandma driving around in her Sigma, and she would always wear cotton wool in her ears so that you know the wind from the window being down in the in the hot doesn't give her an earache and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but um, well, they yeah. sound like they were very very good with their money. To be yeah, honest. yeah. Well, that's right. They saved. They they didn't like to waste money on things apart from. Obviously, you know, they felt comfortable and that they, you know, they didn't travel a lot. Um, only a couple of times that I remember as a kid where they actually went overseas and had a nice holiday. Uh, but most of the time, you know, they spent a few dollars in the club and that was about it. They didn't, didn't spend much money on other things. Now, tell me about this um, bit of a breakthrough last year in 2020. There was a press conference and they spoke about what, you know, what they thought could help. So tell me about this link with Melbourne. Somebody in the Hungarian community um, who's from Melbourne and whether or not they know somebody here or however it's worked, um, contacted ACT Placing to say that um, they have some information that, that um, would um, would be relevant to the case. Um, and so, yeah, they have um, allowed, that has allowed us to, um, last year on the anniversary, um, they think that this, this person didn't leave any details, so the police needed to go out and try and find who they were. Um, and um, there have been a, number, a significant amount of resources that have been allocated to the case again um, uh, since since last year to to follow up on the lead, and also other leads which have been coming through to us um, over the last couple of years, where ACT policing hasn't really had many resources to be able to do anything with it. There has got to be a dozen people or more that know that. In 1999 and the previous cases, these people went, you know, younger kids 
as kids as kids would do you know you're you're a little bit more go lucky um, when you're younger and you're willing to take risks but they went to the home they got what they wanted the first time the second time they went back they didn't um really get anything so they went back the third time and and they basically killed my grandmother and these people who know this I never ever hope that, that they would go through what we have gone through for the last 22 years. They just need to man up or woman up or whatever you want to call it. They need to pick up the phone and they need to call Crime Stoppers and tell police what happened. Because there is no protecting people for what they've done. This it, it's you know it's not fair. It's not right. It's not just to be able to, to hold secrets like this and hope that, you know, oh, we got away with it and, you know, let's never talk about it again. Please, you know, for our family to be able to at least have closure and to be able to live the rest of our lives, especially my parents, my parents are getting older now, and, and our relatives and not have to, you know, every year, in, instead of every year bringing, um, thinking about what had happened to my grandparents on that night and what they went through and what the result was, instead thinking about the good things, you know, allow us to allow us the dignity to be able to grieve as a family about my grandparents death and passing in a positive way instead of always thinking about it in a negative way that the fact that there are people still out there who are uncaught and need to be brought to justice. Thank you to this week's guest, John Makita. If you have been affected by anything you've heard in this interview, you can phone Lifeline on 13 11 14. If you have any information on the murder of Irma Palasix, please phone one 333 0 You can also check out the website John created called whokilledirma.com.au. The details are in our show notes for this episode. As always, thanks for listening. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hello, Michelle Laurie here. And as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian True Crime Live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.